As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Very spooky. Hello, hello. So it's sweater season. Welcome. And I'm finally pulling my sweaters out of my closet. And I have this, I have this like deep, rooted fear that spiders are nesting in them and so i like yes and i'm also scared to find them so i'm truly like shaking out my sweaters like a mad woman around my apartment and asking nick to inspect (laughs) every inch of them i feel that it's the it's it's the dreaded like sticking your hand into a shoe yeah to test if they've just been living in your boots. Mm-mm. I feel that too. I do not like I it. I actually, this morning, I grabbed a sweatshirt that had fallen yesterday, like when I got up in the middle of the night to pee. It had fallen to the ground and I picked it up and I was like, oh, I'll just wear it this morning before I like work out and shower and whatever. And then I put it on and then I had that exact thought of like, what, what if, if a spider is somewhere in here? And I had to I had to take it off and grab something that was hanging. I think what this comes what this come from, what this come from, what this comes from. <laughs> Is I had one of those like infinity sweaters and I'm pretty sure I remember every single place I've ever seen a spider. Like I, it's that scarred into my memory that every place wow, in my body. okay. But. The arachnophobia is. It's very real. Real. But I had this infinity scarf that was kind of like a sweater material like this and I went to go put it on and thank God I put it on the way that I did because when I went like this, I saw down at the bottom was a spider, like a massive spider in the sweater or in the, <laughs> the like fabric of I just spit because I'm yes. like so uncomfortable <laughs> so yeah and it's disturbing horrifying. it's scary yeah because you almost put that on your body too wait can I tell you an actual <laughs> absolute horror story we should have put a trigger warning <laughs> arachnophobia trigger warning okay yes when I lived in California in the summers freshman sophomore year I was basically like homeless because you and I didn't live anywhere near yeah campus and I would usually spend like a month in the summer there before going home to Vermont or like sometime either way doesn't matter (laughs) details that are unnecessary need to work on my storytelling anywho I was subleasing from this group of girls that were in our sorority that were older and one of them like walked into the door and one like a black like a it wasn't even black. It was like mostly bright orange and a little bit of black. Huge. Landed on her shoulder and rode in with her Ugh. into the house. And we were all screaming and trying to get rid of it. Thought we got rid of it. Then a week later, no. trying to make toast. No. And it comes <gasps> out of the toaster. 
out of out of the toast out of the toaster out of the toaster out of the toaster okay oh my like put the toast in pull the the lever down and a giant orangey black spider comes crawling out do you know that's that's the type of blacked out after that i don't know what happened that's the type of spider that is my origin story for like my arachnophobia because Mm -hmm. and i think i've told this on the podcast because it is like a core memory i this is like i'm like a lot of things are coming back to me right now <laughs> I have spi- this is Spider Island within my inside out brain. We had this like fake sheepdog from Costco that was massive and it was like so fun. We would mm-hmm. put we would just like lay on it and we were playing in my basement that was like half unfinished. This is also the house that was super haunted and I was laying on this dog on top of a bunch of boxes and I is around Halloween and I kind of like roll over and I see this massive black with tons of orange on its back spider it's kind of like you know when you you say you have a dream of someone and you're like if i saw it i would like that person i would be able to like point them out perfectly that's how i feel about the spider it is just here it is like (laughs) front of brain if i ever see that spider again or that type i will run but anyway i thought it was one of those halloween decorations so i went to go Mm. pick it up and it started moving and Mm -hmm. That is my origin story. If um, if you ever need to make a movie about me, that's Man. that's the uh, that's the that's beginning. how it starts. <laughs> that's the very beginning. Yeah, that's that's uh, you bring up a good point, which is like when you have children, there's probably going to be stuffed animals and fluffy objects that could house spiders. So. I don't know. Maybe I'll be one of those parents that's like, you can only play with wooden blocks. (laughs) No fluff around me. Then you invite like termites into your home, like all your. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, there's some disease that takes over the whole family that only affects wooden blocks. And now, now this is it. We're demised. Um, This is Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne, and I am Sabrina. Hello. And this, despite it being the spider sode, it is an encounters episode. But I, now I want to know people's like horrifying stories with spiders. Like, as as I think that is, you know how Corinne, you hate seeing photos and videos like unprompted. Mm-hmm. You need to like have a warning at the top of the email. I think yes, I need a warning that this is a spider content, like not even a photo, but like spider <laughs> story ahead. But I also want to know people's spider origin stories. The horror story. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. I need a trigger warning for that too, yeah. especially if there's photos involved. But everyone- Snakes I'm fine with. Yeah, same. Most things I'm fine with. But spiders, spiders bad. No. Okay, but- I I don't know if you are also on theme with what I chose. I am. Are you? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Just cruising through all the emails we got, and we realized we've got a lot that involves the outdoors the and the woods, and spiders live there, and so it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> so do like cryptids and creatures and demons and spirits. It is just right. People invite me to go camping nowadays, and I'm like, um. I'm so sorry. I don't want to get haunted. No, no haunting. Also, I would consider glamping. Yeah. Like I, I would go into a cabin with a locked door. Still the, the beginning scene of a horror movie, oh, right? Yeah. Like you go on a – You on think a you're trip. safe in a glamping cabin. Yeah. But you're not. You could be extra safe from bugs by having a cabin that you stay in and then still pitching a tent inside the cabin. cabin. 
double fabric, double barrier. Yes. And then like really get into your sleeping bag with the ones with the hood, you know? So you're just like fully, you're basically oh. just, uh, mm-hmm. you're basically the mummy, the mummy sleeping bags. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love those mummy sleeping bags. I had them as a kid. All right. My mom like basically had to burn them after we would go camping because my feet would smell so bad because I'd just be like running around barefoot all day. And then I would have to wipe my feet at the end with baby wipes and it still smelled horrible. My, ugh, my bean bag was stinky feet. Wait, whoa, my bean bag, my sleeping bag was, yeah, it was a stinky feet situation. But I wa- that's why I washed I my feet. I was just going to say <laughs> that was a core memory of mine stinky feet, Corinne ruining her sleeping bags. So now I'm like, really, that's probably the part of my body I wash the most. I scrub. Yeah, I'm a runoff scrub, gal. Scrub. I'm a runoff foot gal. I'm a pits and parts. Two types of people in the world and pits and parts. <laughs> All right. And sometimes we scrub our toes. But in the wilderness, probably not. I shave we my chose toes. some stories. I don't scrub my toes. <laughs> No one has time for all of it, right? <laughs> like, it's not – this isn't – not every day is a spa day. No, I, I spend like 20 minutes just like in the shower, just embracing the heat and like very little washing. <laughs> yes, yes. And then it's the – tis the season where it's chilly outside. So when you're – maybe people's bathrooms aren't set up like mine is, but I can pretty much see myself naked the entire <laughs> time because there's just like a giant row of of mirrors in my apartment. <laughs> Where I'm like, oh, where is this going? Where like (laughs) you jump out of the shower and you've been in the like steaming hot water for so long that like just your buns are bright red. Where like (laughs) it literally looks like I burned my butt every time I get out of the shower. My whole body is that. It's It's, burned butt season. I'm a front front steamer, front burner. Oh, yeah. You just face into the water. Actually, I don't like getting my face wet. Let the rain fall down. I go like this. Showering is so weird because everyone does it differently, but it seems like something that's basic enough that everyone would do it the same. But like order of operations, what people like, how they turn, it's all different. It's, it's different. fascinating. <laughs> I wish I could watch everyone shower. But alas. We're going to get into stories. Key. We swear. Okay. <laughs> yes. Oh, I will start. start. I'll get us going. Okay. Thank you. Okay. This is called Bad Day in the Woods. Hi, spooky ladies. I got inspired by another episode again. This was Encounters 119, and it was a story about a listener that thinks he almost became a missing 411 kid. That suddenly gave me a childhood flashback. From age 4 to 13, I lived in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. Our property is known for unexplainable paranormal experiences. Even my non-believer dad and grandpa thought this place was haunted. I'll eventually write to you about my time there. It's a lot. But anyways, we're here for the woods. My property had over 70 acres that we happily shared with our upstairs neighbor that lived on the mountainside. They were a cute elderly couple that basically raised me. My parents worked a lot. And to get to their house, it's a hike up a bluff side that normally took 20 minutes. I did this hike multiple times every day, normally barefoot because country kids don't wear shoes apparently. (laughs) Stinky feet. Stinky feet. (laughs) So like any other day, I began my trek up the bluffs. I believe I was about eight at this time, and I probably got a mile in when things started to get odd. It was eerily quiet. No birds, no animals, no rustling in the brush, not even the sound of moving water. The trail follows a riverbed that turns into a waterfall at my house. So normally when I do this walk, I do it with a dog or a cat beside me, but my dog turned back at this point. He kept looking around like he heard something in the silence, and then he just took off to home. Not the best protector. He's a failed (laughs) hunting dog that the neighbor gave us a couple years ago. Trust your pets. If your pets run, you run. Trust your pets. (laughs) Right. Yes. And also, this was a failed hunting dog because clearly 
he had all of the the right feelings of like run when there's yeah, danger. I shouldn't be here. <laughs> Don't stay in the woods. Stay at home. Being a kid with a short attention span, I shrugged and I kept walking. I probably got another mile in when I suddenly heard an animalistic shriek. I've always known there were bobcats and cougars on the land, so I told myself that that's what I was hearing. And I took this as a sign to turn around and go back down the hill. I continued to look behind my back, watching for whatever made that sound, and I could feel it watching me, but I saw nothing. As I got near the end of the trail, I looked back once more to see a large, hairy, black (gasps) blob watching me from behind a tree. Bigfoot? I froze watching it. Sounds like it. Neither big cat can stand on their hind legs, nor are they all black and that big. Also, why was it hiding behind a tree? I felt this intense dread wash over me, and I took off in a sprint to my house. (laughs) I locked all of the doors, and I covered the windows when I got inside, and I hid for what felt like forever. Eventually, I heard commotion outside, and I braved myself to look out the window. It was my upstairs neighbor talking to my dog. I knew he wasn't down before this, so I went outside to ask him if anything happened on his hike down. But when I went outside, I heard all the normal outdoor life sounds again, crunching leaves, birds chirping, and water moving. It was normal again. So I told him about my experience, and he brushed me off just saying that it was probably a wildcat or a trick of my mind. Nope. Though the very next day, he did give me a cross necklace along with a holy blessing. He was a retired minister. He knows something, but he would never (laughs) tell me what. I know what I saw. I know something was out there. I know it was watching, but I don't think I'll ever get those answers. Our neighbors passed long ago, and the new person that owns the land believes in shooting first and asking later if someone stepped foot on their land. So I'll just be here wondering. Let me know if you guys have any ideas. Yours truly, Anna. Bigfoot. Yeah, there's no wondering, Anna. It's Bigfoot. We believe. We believe. We believe. Especially, I feel like that's a theme for, for Bigfoot where it's like, the Bigfoots out there don't want you near them. So they do kind yeah. of like the growls, the the knocks, the screams, the throwing of objects to try to get you away. And then they hide behind a tree and watch you. Like they don't make themselves present until you're far yeah. enough away. I also just have this – I don't know if we've heard this in stories, if I'm just making that, this up in my brain as like something – I don't know. But I have this feeling that like trees serve as portals for Bigfoots. That they, you know, like in horror movies where you see something go behind a tree and like you try to look on the other side and it's not mm-hmm. there. Like I imagine it can like mm-hmm. pop in and out of like its dimensions behind trees. Oh, I mean, trees, so many of them are ancient. They're, they're living. They have their own. Yeah, they're spiritual. They speak to each other. I also am super addicted to watching all of the videos of walking trees where trees just like literally walk themselves through the forest and plop down in another spot. Have you seen Functional Fungi, that documentary on Netflix? No. Oh my gosh. It is just like despite mushrooms and fungus and everything being so fascinating, which I've always been interested in, but I didn't know to the extent. This is the most mm-hmm. beautiful documentary I think he did like a 13-year time lapse of fungi growing and like spreading. Oh. And it is it is just beautiful. And it is like how our world wouldn't exist without fungus and how it like is the creation of life. And it connects like trees to one another and it communicates and it helps bring our ecosystem. They did this study where there was an oil spill and they it was a controlled thing. So they had three different – sections with this oil spill and then they tried to use different things to like help clean it up 
And the one where they used fungus to try to clean it, the fungus broke down the oil and then sprouted new life in the area. Oh my gosh. It, I mean, anyway, it's just so fascinating. Wow. If anyone we needs need, a just good- need fungus and moss everywhere. Everywhere. Because those things are powerful, yeah. powerful plants. Very. Dang. But I mean, okay, it's this big black creature that is clearly shrieking and making every life around Anna believe that they should be quiet yeah. and hide and run. So clearly mm-hmm. this is a predator. Oh, definitely. And that predator is a giant <laughs> ape-like it's being Bigfoot. creature called Bigfoot. Yep. Anna, I'm I'm confident. I feel like mm-hmm. I often, you know, am not confident in myself, but I can confidently say I am confident in this moment. <laughs> Bigfoot sightings 101. (laughs) This is how it starts. Okay. Well, I have a story kind of about trees. It is called I Befriended a Talking Tree, and it is from our listener, Ray. Oh, okay. What a good segue, Sabrina, with the previous conversation. (laughs) And now we're talking, talking, talking trees. You know, I didn't even do this. This is all Ray. Ray and the universe. And anyway. I'm in a mood. I'm like, I haven't been sleeping lately, but like, I don't know. I have energy. Woo. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) We're also recording this so early for you too. Oh my gosh. Hello. Okay. Hi, ghostesses of the Most Haunted Podcast. I've been listening to your awesome podcast for almost a year and I'm almost caught up. This is also 2020. You make my week 10 times better. Thank you for doing what you do. First off, I should mention that although sensitivity to the spirit world does run in my family, especially strongly through the women on my mom's side, it seems to skip every other generation and I am one of the skipped ones. Listening to your podcast does make me appreciate this sometimes. I do still have experiences, but they are rare and not as cool as the stories I have from other members of my family. My great grandma, for example, lived for a short time in a house infested with poltergeists who were fond of throwing and breaking things, as well as levitating entire rooms of furniture. But she- Okay, we should <laughs> probably be emailed about that, yes. don't you think? <laughs> My great-grandmother would just curse and scold them until they stopped, because she was a badass. My mom <laughs> is also sensitive, and her experiences range from having premonition dreams as a kid to seeing ghosts to remembering flashbacks of her past life. I can tease the stories out of her. I promise to send them to you guys. Now that I've raised your expectations, here is my own recent and slightly less cool but more unusual story. So recently, my family built a new house, and after the old house had been torn down, there were several trees around the property that were cut down, one of them being an enormous cottonwood next to the driveway. Right beside this tree was a large fir type of tree. I'm not really sure what kind. And this is the tree who spoke to me. One day, I'm not sure how long after the cottonwood was cut down, my family and I went to check on the property and wander around. It was after they picked me up from school, I'm in high school, on a school night when I had a lot of homework, so I was stressed and I did not want to be there when I had to be home studying. I was going through a particularly stressful time at school, and maybe this is one reason I was spiritually and emotionally receptive to the experience. So the rest of my family was in another part of the property, and I was climbing on the huge logs left behind from the cottonwood, as teenagers do, when I was hit with the strangest and strongest wave of emotion I have ever experienced. I apologize if the, de- if the description of this is confusing and long-winded. It's difficult to put into words because so much happened so quickly, but I'll do my best. Here goes. 
It was strange because I did not feel emotion in the sense that it was mine. I sensed it as if it was surrounding me, projected by someone else, maybe even intentionally focused on me. The emotion was terror, pure, absolute terror. And for some reason, instead of being overwhelmed and panicking, I automatically shifted into a deep sense of calm I associate with other nonverbal communication experiences I've had, although those are usually with animals. I don't know how to describe how the following information was conveyed, so I'll just say that I realized several things about the energy. I knew it was from the fir tree that I had mentioned earlier, that it meant no harm, and that it was female. For some reason, I pictured a young woman in her 20s with pale skin, pale blue eyes, and black hair. I began to detect other subtler emotions along with her fear, sorrow, loneliness, confusion, and a feeling of being trapped. Her projection of fear was a desperate cry for help. I made contact with her by speaking words in my mind and asked her what was wrong. For a moment, she seemed immensely relieved and then conveyed to me that she was terrified that she would be cut down too, just like the tree that had been next to her. I knew that my parents were not planning to have the fir tree cut down, and after confirming this, I relayed the information to her, but she did not believe me and was still terrified. She desperately did not want to be alone, so I stayed and talked to her for 20 minutes until we had to leave trying to reassure her that she was safe. She gradually calmed down and I began to ask her questions. I don't remember most of our conversation, but I do remember that when I asked her what her name was, her reply was incoherent, like a jumble of sounds and syllables, which was odd. The thing that convinced me that this experience wasn't my imagination was this. At one point, she told me suddenly, you're the first person to ever talk to me. I was confused because there had been at some point an energy healer at the property for groundbreaking to bless the land, and I thought all of the trees were blessed too. I asked her about this, and she insisted that I was the first person to interact with her at all. I ignored it for the time being, and later I asked the parent if the healer actually blessed all the trees, and it turns out she only blessed the ones that would be cut down. So I was wrong, and the fir tree was right. When I had to leave with my family, the spirit became anxious and begged me to stay with her. She said she didn't trust them not Uh to cut her down, and I reassured her, told her I had to go, and broke the connection before I could feel her fear return. It's been a year since this interaction, and I still regret leaving her so abruptly. I have since then returned to the property many times, often visiting and trying to communicate with her with no success. Honestly, I was afraid that something had happened to her, or maybe I just imagined it and she didn't exist at all. But yesterday, she responded for the first time in a year. I thought she had been angry with me and didn't trust me after I left her abruptly the first time. But all she would say when I asked her was, it's okay now. I guess I'm forgiven. The good news is she seems much happier now and we're both excited for my family to move into the house so that I can keep her company every day. She's so sweet. And when I asked her her name again, this time she said I could call her Claire. I asked if that was her real name and she said no, but I could call her that if I wanted to. I hope you guys read this story on the podcast. I'm interested to hear whether you guys think Claire is A, a tree spirit, a dryad of the tree itself, or B, a human spirit attached to the tree, or C, a human spirit reincarnated as a tree. I can't wait to hear back from you guys. I'll say it again. You're both amazing. Always there with your constant positivity and spooky stories. Thank you for giving your time to this podcast. Please know that it is so appreciated, especially in times like these. Give a give Leia a hug for me. Hugs and friendly hauntings. Ray. Ray. This is incredible. Right? I I choose A. I think it <laughs> I think it was the tree itself. I think because, so too. I mean, trees are such connected species 
in and of themselves. Like they, they speak to each other. They help each other. They share nutrients. They pass water. Like they do what they need in the community where they are. There's trees that are bullies that get like reprimanded by the <laughs> other trees. There's, there's it's an relationships yeah. within trees. Absolutely. But like there is a bit of consciousness to it. It's not just entirely random how it happens. And so this is reminding me, raise like the Eliza Thornberry <laughs> of trees, right? Like when, why is it so easy for us to to accept that some people can talk to animals, right. but not to trees and nature? And it's like how that presents it might just look or sound like something that you can understand. But for all we know, like whatever energy is being tapped into, if I'm just thinking like it could sound like gibberish to us, but there's something right. in the world and the understanding where it like it downloads in a way that that you, Ray, can comprehend. Yeah. And that's why it looks like Ugh. a a human woman and chooses the name Claire right. to help you communicate and is speaking to you in a language that you know. I also do believe – And you're speaking back. Like what if the tree is hearing all tree names and tree language? That's true, especially when the tree first tried to communicate their name. It was like a gibberish, garbled, uh, incoherent mm-hmm. thing because maybe it was a different language. Right. I do wonder though – well, one, we should do an episode on dryads because I think that's so fascinating. But I do wonder – if a spirit can be reincarnated as a tree hmm. and if there's like some connectivity, because why not? If spirit, if we can be reincarnated as like insects or animals or, you know, whatever your belief of reincarnation is, like why not a tree, you know? And that it right. is it is still part of the tree ecosystem, but it also had a human past life. Yeah. It's hard. It's like one of those things too where it's like it's we're human, so it's easy to think of like our – it's easy to understand other beings living and, and feeling like they have the same emotions and yeah. like relationships and connections as we do by saying like it could be a reincarnated human spirit. But then also part of me is like, is that just the assumption that humans are like the the higher beings and right. we get reincarnated? Like are there just many, many different types of creatures and beings and we just don't even have we don't. a full understanding? Like I'm thinking of orcas right now. Like <laughs> orcas have their own cultures – there was a group of orcas, like they speak different they speak different to, languages, yeah. different accents. If you take two orcas and put them together that never lived anywhere near each other, they're going to have a hard time understanding each other. Just like if you grabbed someone who spoke English and someone who spoke Arabic and they didn't ever hear the other language, bring them together, they're going to have communication yeah. problems. Like orcas wear salmons as hats. Like they, they do all the interesting things. And so – we're basically know, a just, nature podcast I, I right now. We're a nature podcast. <laughs> well, the only reason I, just, I, a- I yeah. asked that question is because the tree spirit very easily could have just communicated through words, but it did give her mm-hmm. this image of a woman very distinctly. So maybe you're right. Like maybe it's just like, hey, to, to make you feel like you can connect to me, here's an image that you're used to. But it does make me think there's something more to it. Yeah. Or maybe it's even, I mean, when we think about people who have spiritual or like ghost encounters mm-hmm. specifically, sometimes it's not always a person that looks like a person, right? Like it could be a blacked out blob. It could right. be an orb. It could be a wisp of something. It could just be like a downloaded understanding of what's in front of you, but you don't see anything at all. And so maybe it's something like that where it's like what you experience could be if there are seven people lined up next to Ray and they all can communicate with this tree. I wonder what they would all say that they see. Like what right. how differing their experiences would be. I'm so curious if they're But they might all hear the same. 
people out there who this is their ability. Like there's so many different types yeah. of paranormal connections, but is there someone out there who's just a tree whisperer? And if you're listening, please tell us. Actually, anyone. I do. If you've got ghosts, have a let us let us know. Let us know. But I'll be I'll be honest, Ray. I do have a slight amount of jealousy towards <laughs> you, but also I'm extremely excited for you. The only reason I say a little bit of jealousy is because when I was younger, I did talk to trees all the time. I would literally, there's one tree in my yard. I would hug the tree. I would cry in front of the tree. I would tell the tree all the drama at school, everything I was feeling. Like this tree, I told the tree everything. And when the tree got cut down, I was devastated. My parents cut it down. (laughs) Maybe that's an island in my my (laughs) inside out brain that actually cut down my therapy tree. That actually makes But I never heard anything back. Much sense to me because I feel like you are a green witch. Like you have such a connection to herbs, plants, and nature that that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. When the tree was cut down, I started doing my therapy sessions <laughs> out in the stream. And there was one chipmunk that would always come up and sit on a rock nearby me. And I would just like talk to the chipmunk and tell the chipmunk and like the stream all my problems. Well, maybe the tree that was cut down was reincarnated as this chipmunk. Maybe. Maybe. Oh. Maybe the uh, the trees in the forest gave me this chipmunk. <laughs> you are literally Because they saw Snow what White. happened to the other tree. You are a Disney princess. <laughs> but I never heard... <laughs> It was a one, one-sided one conversation, at least. Like, I think I felt supported. Like, I felt the energy. But I, <laughs> I didn't hear – I didn't hear anyone or see anyone like Ray did. Well, maybe it was subconscious that it was communicated. Yeah. Yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is from Jade. I wanted to share a story that my dad told me when I was younger, and it always comes to mind when I'm out on the street where this experience happened. It's a little less paranormal and a little more encrypted, but it's my favorite dad story. This story is a bit long, but I hope it spooks you as much as it spooked me. To add detail so that you get a better visual, if you leave my grandparents' house and go down the road, you will take a left, and about a block, you'll go over a decent-sized river on a bridge. The bridge has cement walls directly next to the street, and then a sidewalk, and then a six-foot chain link fence. The area around my grandparents' house has a couple gas stations, some small businesses, and a couple fast food places. But once you hit that bridge, there's a smallish patch of woods with some lakes and that river. This doesn't feel very small if it has lakes in yeah. the river. I feel like this is a big patch of woods. I'm just picturing, you know how in true crime documentaries, they like have the map and it's like the, the yes. like trail, like where everyone's going. I'm just picturing that. Yes, it shows that. the pattern, yeah. right? Yeah, the red line of like where they walk, where they drive. Yeah. So a patch of woods with some lakes and that river. But once you leave the bridge, it breaks off from the woods. Now, 
onto the story. The way this story was told to me was my dad was 16 or 17 years old and he was hanging out with his brother, Kyle, his friend, Jason, and his then best friend, now wife, Katie. Aww. It got late, about 2 or 3 a.m., and Jason decided to go home while Katie had decided to stay over. Jason lived a bit far, about an hour and a half walk. So my dad and Kyle, being the guys they are, told him that they would walk him home for company. Aww. That's a far walk. That is a but, very yeah, far nice. walk. And that's a three-hour three round trip. <laughs> <laughs> Katie stayed behind because she didn't want to walk that late at night, which was a good choice now knowing what she avoided. So they drop Jason off, and they get to the bridge, which is only – 10 minutes away from my grandparents' house, and they get to the other side of the bridge when they hear something rustling through the woods a little lower down from the bridge behind them. So they turn around and see what it is. And they see a deer jump over the fence onto the sidewalk and then hop over the cement wall onto the street. A little weird, the small patch of which is connected to a larger patch of woods by a bike trail, but the distance between the woods is about a 30 minutes walk. So for it to wander over to this busier area was not common for the deer to do. My dad says because of the streetlight making it able to see the deer, he thought it looked a little bit beat up. Oh. Then he started to notice weirder things. The ears weren't really normal deer ears. They were much longer and droopy. The limbs seemed much longer too. Then he noticed what was even more wrong with the legs. Oh, no. Oh. They were bent <gasps> the wrong way. What? <laughs> now, being tough guys, my dad and Kyle tried scaring it off because they were really freaked out. Instead of scaring it off, it looked at them. And then it stood up on its hind legs and started to run at them clumsily, but also fast. Oh! They ran as fast as they could back to my grandparents. They got inside, slammed and locked the door, and they looked out all of the curtains trying to see if this thing had followed them. They didn't see it, and they decided to go downstairs to my dad's room and try to figure out what the hell just happened. Obviously, there was no explanation for a demon deer <laughs> other than they just experienced a cryptid. Yeah. Now... Even though this story terrified me as a kid, when I got older, I thought it was all BS <laughs> because it didn't seem real. And I thought it was just a fake story that my dad used when I was a teen to try to scare me into not being out all night until I brought it up a few years back. This time, Katie talked about how when they came home, she had woken up to my dad and Kyle coming home freaking out about a deer man type thing. She said after going back to sleep that night, she heard the sound of something imitating a deer call <gasps> until she eventually fell asleep. What the heck? Katie grew up hunting, so she knows what a deer call sounds like. But she knows for a fact that that thing was not an actual deer. I don't know why what she said made me believe this story. Maybe it was her experience with the deer or the fact that she had a hard time talking about it when she told me because of how badly it freaked her out. They both told me that she refused to stay over at my grandparents' house for a few months to avoid hearing it again. I'm convinced my dad experienced something that night. The story remains constant, and Kyle can tell that story nearly word for word the same way that my dad did when he was younger. I hope you ladies enjoyed the story as much as I do. When I visit my dad, I'll randomly ask him to tell the story because I love <laughs> being freaked out. And now every time I cross that bridge, I cannot stop thinking about it from Jade. Okay. I had to Google like cryptid that looks like a deer. And there's a cryptid called Deer Man. And oh, the, the legs, the legs are, backwards. are backwards. And it looks beat up. It looks – yeah, look. Like the you can kind of see its ribs. It also says – That looks dead. It, it says – okay. A hybrid animal, deer, deer man, has the antlered head of a great stag, a human's torso, and legs described similar to either those of a man or deer. 
In addition, it is said to be well-muscled and surprisingly fast for its size. And there's like sightings in Ohio, Delaware, and it says like it stands on its back feet and runs. Wait, this sounds exactly like this. Because at first I was kind of thinking like, you know, a flush pedestrian situation. But the deer man sounds spot on. I mean, it's it, it's exactly what happened, right? Like just odd behaviors, yes. the backwards legs, standing on the hind legs, running, looking beat up. What the heck is that deer is man? Creepy. I'm – okay, this is what blows my freaking mind is like there are just so many freaking things in the world that we don't know, we don't yeah. understand, that have been undiscovered or that are just so quick and mischievous and mysterious that we have not been able to like understand them or know them. And like same with the ocean, there's just so many things we don't know. Yes. Well, and too, like to your point, initially hearing the story, I'm thinking flush pedestrian. And then there's all these other creatures and spirits and entities that could also sound similar to this thing. And it's like, are these things that we don't know are they actually connected is a not deer the cousin of this deer man that's the cousin of a flush pedestrian or like uh, are they all completely different and just look similar like not all monkeys are related but some of them are (laughs) i feel like it's just blowing my mind yeah i would love to we should interview a cryptologist oh that would be awesome and a ufologist oh yeah well, that's a great transition. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a great transition because uh, oh my story We're getting abducted. Well, potentially this is from Jessica, and it is called a UFO followed me home. And also oh, part gosh. two, my neighbor is a werewolf. Hey ghouls, I've emailed you a few times, but I'm not even sure if they made sense half the time because I was in a hurry or all my memories have been a giant ball of mess. I've been going to therapy. Actually, wait. Can I pause for one second? Yeah. This is a this is a PSA to everyone that our email is two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com because I have seen quite a few DMs from people that are like, I sent the story and I go look and it's not in our inbox. So I think people have been uh, sending their ghost stories someone to someone else. else. Yeah, two girls, one goes podcast and all spelled out. Okay, I've been going to therapy to work through some things and it's brought out memories and stories my family has told me. It's two in the morning and I'm sitting alone in the break room in the OR because surgeries at 2 a.m. is rare around here unless it's the fun sex-related emergency surgeries, which I love. Anyway, (laughs) that's we need an email with that stuff. Right. Anyway, besides being a ghost hunter and our team doing investigations with the Warrens, Wait, what? I wouldn't call myself a ghost hunter, but more a paranormal explorer. I love that because I don't like the hunting term either because it's like you're not Mm -hmm. hunting them. You're investigating it. For the most part, there's no malicious intent. Yeah. Yeah, You're just looking to make make contact. contact. Say hello. Come in peace. So the first story was about 2012. I was in college and driving back to my parents' house for the weekend. Also, I just like had a moment. I never say years that way. I usually say 2012. And so 2012 really threw up for my brain. (laughs) I grew up in a small country town. A couple stop signs, a few churches, no stoplights, a school, and a lot of farm and woods. Well, on this road home, there are towers. I'm not sure what they're used for, but they look like the electrical towers, kind of, but I don't think that's what they were. 
As we were driving the long, straight, open road towards the towers, my significant other at the time looked ahead of us to the sky and pointed out a light in the sky. As we drove closer to it, I realized it was multiple lights and they were moving. Not moving much, but hovering to the point where you could see a bunch of lights moving up and down ever so slightly. So we drive up and my significant other, we'll call her Jay, yelled, it's round. Not understanding what's happening, I stopped and looked up. She indeed was right. It was a saucer, spinning, hovering. There were no sounds at all. Dead silence. Mind you, it's 11 p.m. in the middle of September, so there should have been little creepy noises from bugs and such, but nothing. No stars, just darkness and this saucer and my headlights. Especially if it's spinning too, like the air that would be created around it, the sound, there should be something. something. I looked at Jay through my window and I see her literally on the floor of my car under the dashboard, realizing she's screaming something, but I can't hear her. I can't hear anything. My car is running, my radio is playing, but I hear nothing. I could hear my thoughts and my thoughts at that exact moment were, I'm deaf, I'm going to get abducted, and I can't hear anything. I turned back around to look at the saucer and it slowly was moving closer to us. I look back to Jay and I start hearing everything come back, like the volume on my ears slowly being turned back up. Jay is screaming, get back in the car, let's go. Oh, I didn't even realize they had gotten out of the car. Right. Wait, that's like, oh my gosh, they were being pulled towards this thing. (gasps) Jessica. Also, if they're out of the car, like, are they getting video evidence? Is this what what this is? No, it's... Was that the intention? Well, actually, there is a video attached to this, I think. So I'm curious. Okay. Oh. I didn't end up watching it because I like to have like a raw, real, you know, reaction. (laughs) (laughs) Jay is screaming, get back in the car. Let's go. So I jumped in and I took off, not looking in my mirrors or around us at all. But Jay starts crying and screaming from under the dashboard saying, it's right above us. It's following us. Sure enough, I roll my window down. I look up and it's speeding down the road, going back and forth over the car, following us. It's about seven minutes from the towers to my house. So I'm driving 75 to 80 miles per hour to get home. And this thing, whatever it was, stayed on top of us the entire way. I pull into my driveway and realize we need to get into my house now. We don't see it over the car anymore. So I hurry out of the car and go and help Jay out. As we're running to the door, I look over across the road and above the field across the road was a saucer, but not just one anymore. Now there were three of them. The one that- Oh my gosh, they're all following them. The one that was following us and two smaller size ones next to it. I grabbed Jay and dragged her inside the house, hoping she wouldn't see them. I slammed the door and of course no one was home. We sat in the living room with all the lights off for the next three hours watching these things until I fell asleep. The next day I woke up and they were gone. And I never saw them again. I'll never be able to explain why or what. I just know it was terrifying and it did something to me. My last story for now is back when my siblings and I and my cousins were young. In one of my last emails, I mentioned how we lived in an old farmhouse built in 1812 and it's on 200 acres of fields and woods. So really, really, we just explored a lot as kids and got hurt and into trouble. Basic country kids with (laughs) nothing to do and a bunch of four wheelers and field trucks. A lot of fishing and playing in the mud and bonfires. Up on the land, we have an old one-room schoolhouse that my great-grandmother was a teacher at. Oh, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. It was a cute little stone building. I absolutely loved riding past it or walking past it. There was a driveway that went to it for the man that rents it from my family, but he only stayed there in the spring, summer, fall. In the winter, he would leave. We never saw him when he was there. I'm 30 years old, and he lived there as long as I can remember, and I still don't know his name. I just remember seeing him drive in and out of the woods at weird hours. In 2005, my great-grandmother passed away at 105 years old. Whoa. 
And she used to tell stories about the schoolhouse and how she always felt like something was watching her through the windows throughout the years being a teacher there. But she never said much else about it. She would really shut down if we asked her more, always just rocking in her chair day in and day out. She had the life. So one day I was talking to my uncles and my dad about the schoolhouse man, as I called him, and they all just laughed and looked at each other. And my dad told me I needed to stay on the trails when we were around there, especially if this man's car was in the driveway. My uncle M piped up and said something along the lines of, watch out for the wolf prints too. And my dad just glared at him. Uncle M looked at me and said, because, you know, we've been seeing that wolf around here and, you know, the one everyone's trying to trap, which he wasn't <gasps> lying about. Wolves were common where I live and one had been seen close to the pasture. That winter, me and my brother took out the snowmobiles for a ride and for some reason, I felt the need to stop out by the schoolhouse. Boarded up windows, chained up door. I looked at my brother S and said, we need to get in there. He agreed, <laughs> which was weird. I love it. The fact that it's like boarded up windows and chained up door, like, and you feel tempted to get in there. I Ah. Right. Well, not only a paranormal explorer, but an urban explorer yeah, as well. Definitely a werewolf explorer. He agreed, which is weird. And we turned off the sleds, ripped off a board from the window, and the windows were locked on the inside. But somehow, S broke the lock from the outside and shimmied the old 1800s window up. We climbed in and the window slammed shut behind us. It was cold, eerily cold. All of the furniture was covered with white sheets, dark and damp. We looked around the room, checked all the other rooms, nothing. Why did I think we would find anything? It's just a weird guy no one knows living in the woods alone forever. We start walking to the broken window and S fell through the floor into the basement. I just stood there thinking, hmm, why did I not know there was a basement in this place? No! (laughs) Instead of like, are you okay? (laughs) Yeah, wait. Are you alive? She literally says, no, I didn't even run over to check my brother was okay or ask if he was okay. I was just shook. A fucking basement? (laughs) Like, where did you come from, my guy? So I walked over. It's like the barbarian, like it getting really, out the tape measure, right? Ignore all of the danger. It really does remind me of barbarian. That's so funny. <laughs> so I walk over and look down into the hole and saw S moving. So I figured he was fine. Realizing there was no door to get that down there. I too jumped down into the darkness. All S said was, I'm fine, sis. Thanks for asking. Like, I saw you moving, friend. <laughs> I knew you were all good. Other things happened right now. Sorry. So... I pulled my emergency light from my pack and lighted up. There was a door, but only one door. The only thing in that room was one door, a big metal door with chains and padlocks. It took both S and myself to pull the door open and on side, ah, okay. And on the inside (laughs) of this metal door were claw marks, like a bear had been locked inside clawing at the door. As we walked further into the room, we saw shackles to the wall for hands and feet with chains that reached the door, claw marks all over this tiny metal room, like someone or something had been shackled in the room trying to get out. But the locks- This is the schoolhouse? In the basement of the schoolhouse. But the locks were on the inside of the room. Something locked itself inside the room. So was my weird schoolhouse neighbor a werewolf or am I just going crazy? Well, thanks for reading this. If you made it through, I attached a video of my dog. Oh, (laughs) Um, reacting to an orb attacking attacking his (laughs) noggin for your entertainment. Much love. Let me know if you want any more of my lovely paranormal experiences. I've got plenty from my family and myself. Good night and see you on the other side. Oh, wait. Good night and see you on another side. From Jessica. Jessica. (sighs) Holy moly macaroni. (laughs) I will say, I believe in 
all of the paranormal beings and entities. But for some reason in my mind, werewolves are the one creature that I was like, eh, I'm not sure that actually exists. Like, I just think of them as these like fictional characters in books and movies, which and? is kind of silly coming about, from my mouth. What about now? This is making me fully believe <laughs> I'm turning. This is a turning point, especially because I think the detail where the locks are on the inside. Okay, but here's another thing. There had to have been someone else that knows that was in on it because if this person, the werewolf, cha- like chains themselves up or locks door, chains themselves up, there were also chains on the outside of the door. So isn't someone else also doing like the – Interesting. Or is that like a while he's not using it to protect people from getting in there? Oh, but I do, that's a good point. I do think that Jessica's dad and uncle know about this. And I wonder at what point Jessica will get confirmation because remember Jessica said Uncle M was like, be like careful of the werewolf or the wolf. And like the wolf Jessica, man, yeah, he said like wolf man. And then Jessica's dad glared at him and then he covered it up like, oh, like, you know, they're trying to catch that wolf. And it makes me think also their Jessica's family is renting this schoolhouse out to this man. So they must have some understanding. Right. Yes. The family's had some sort of encounter or knows something. Someone knows something. Which it's like, what? what is the threat of of telling Jessica? I mean, maybe it's that Jessica's going to turn around and email our podcast <laughs> and tell us, expose the truth. Expose the wolf. But expose the wolf. But I'm just so curious. And also too, like – Clearly, I just have questions because it sounds like whoever this werewolf was, was also trying to do their due diligence and didn't want to be out terrorizing people or harming anyone. Hence the the (laughs) whole like chains and locks and like putting yourself away for the night or however it ends up working for for werewolves and how they vampire diaries. So why does that, I, I need more of an explanation as to why the grandmother always felt like she was being watched while in the schoolhouse. Yeah. And then also, why is the werewolf, presumably the werewolf, now running around? Well, like, what was, how did that, perhaps what this man comes from a long line of werewolves and they like these woods specifically. So that is why Jessica's great grandmother had the feeling of eyes on her when she was teaching in the school because this man's ancestors, werewolf ancestors, were lurking in the woods long before anyone else lived there. Mm, very uh, Twilight. Very. Right. And Vampire Diaries. Getting those vibes. Yeah. Getting the vibes. Yep. Jeez. I mean, I believe in werewolves now. <laughs> I think that's what's coming with this. And then the UFO and experience. Like, Jessica – First of all, yes, to answer Jessica's last question, we need to need. It's a desperate need within us to know the rest of your stories. So please email them to us. But the fact that a UFO or multiple saucers follow Jessica and Jay home. And the fact that Jessica right. like truly almost got abducted because it like the way that they described the hearing and everything like going out makes me think that it was trying to beam them up. Right. It's uh, Okay, we don't know how Jessica got out of the car, right? Yeah. If it was own free will, curiosity, or some sort of like beam situation with the UFO. But I do, I am curious, like what the intentions of the UFO and their, I want to know more about their decision making <laughs> because to me, it sounds like UFOs can probably abduct, abduct people regardless of where they take shelter. Yeah. From cars, from houses, from underground bunkers, like whatever. They'll find a way to get you. So it's <laughs> interesting that, you know, like 
humans, we have this reaction where we're like, we need to find shelter. We need to hide and feel safe. And for them, it was running home. Right. But home doesn't necessarily mean safety. But in this case, it did. For some reason, these UFOs gave up and were like, okay, you win this time. It is interesting. Like, is there safety from aliens? I guess in this case there was, but there are plenty of people who've been abducted from their own bedrooms, you know? So it's just like there is – unless you're in an underground bunker. But even then, are you really safe? If they can just beam you up, like are are, do you become just, you know – an amorphous blob of like particles and you can be sucked out and through things. Yeah. Or is it, are you physically still there and they abduct some part of like your astral self? That's so fascinating. (gasps) Also, this is making me think too. We've joked about about it before where there's like some sort of galactic tourism where, (laughs) where these creatures can like come on UFOs and kind of like see earth and observe the people. Like we're the zoo. (laughs) And so it makes me, it makes me wonder if like maybe this was some sort of this particular group, this outing of <laughs> of UFOs, they they had the rule where like you can observe the people, you can watch the people, you can like get so far in abducting them, but you can't actually abduct them. Uh, right? Oh it's my like, gosh! You can play with the little beam machine, but after after before their feet lift up, you gotta let go. Oh my gosh! That's the rule. I'm imagining this needs to be a show. How is it not like? Well, right. Like it's like when you we go to Disneyland or you know uh, Universal Studios, and there's like the tour guide who's like, and over here is where we filmed such and such. I just imagine alien tour guide, and over here we will see uh, a human being in a car driving a vehicle. It is yeah, like just mocking like our way of and life. our version of like Picasso <laughs> is the the cornfields and how they have all of the like markings and it's like oh the great whoever their artist is the great mobile had artwork here that was on display for many years it confounded humans for years and years they called it crop circles (laughs) little did they know that this is the way that we communicated with other species of aliens Stupid humans. Uh, Stupid idiots. Everyone. There's like just like a a bunch of laughter from the crowd. They laugh through their fingers. They just hold up their (laughs) fingers and there's little mouths that just like go (laughs) like shriek. That's how they laugh. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I so badly want to watch this animated series. Next year, debuting on whoever buys this from us. (laughs) Whatever network. (laughs) Once our idea we just we just pitched it we did that was the pitch i like it i think it's great i love it i think we're and i brilliant. think all of you guys are great with all of your stories yeah i also really want we're feeling inspired i think we should make merch that says got ghosts question mark like kind of like got milk oh i like that that's good that's good that's good that's good we'll add it we're gonna write these things down in our in our notes so that we don't actually forget because I've started doing that after we've forgotten a lot you know when we got to like the thousandth business idea and hadn't executed on most of them (laughs) I was like we should probably start writing things down right yes um well if you got ghosts please email us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com send us anything and everything your spider stories but also put a disclaimer in your subject line maybe like uh, like hey this is my Please. spider encounter um and then yes. cryptids dear man if you've seen dear man if you talk to trees let us know um yeah we want to know everything and if you want to support us join our patreon i like how we like forget what we're doing when we do this every week uh multiple times a week anyway 
join us on Patreon. We have special episodes. There's things that are going to – you guys get access to things before the uh, general public. Um, and we have live streams. We have like special merch for all of you. We're going to give the holiday mm-hmm. card. I think this probably comes out. The holiday card will will be being sent out. Yeah. If you were a patron, if you made that November 30th cutoff, you will receive yeah. a uh, holiday card. Mm-hmm. So on November 30th, if you were a patron, you will get one. You will get one. Make sure your address is in Patreon too. You can also support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes and following us on social media and subscribing to our YouTube and coming over and saying hi to us. Like, hey, we're waving to you. This is directly to Hello. you if you're watching. Join the triangle. Join the triangle. Get lost in the triangle. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our editors of Upfire Digital for editing our podcast. And um, once again, thank you to all of you. We love you. And we do hope that you don't get abducted and that we do get to meet you on this slide. But if we don't, we will see you on the other side. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.